Welcome to Conscious Conversations. I'm Nitin Garg. And I'm Nick Paladino King. We are transformational coaches from the San Francisco Bay Area. And this is a podcast for people looking to take their lives to the next level. Conversations that lead to real life shifts tend to happen only by chance. We are here to change that. Our mission is to create transformational conscious conversations so that you can experience powerful insights to live a life filled with more passion, purpose, and prosperity. Together with our guests, we will raise the collective consciousness of the planet one conversation at a time. So join us on this great adventure of life by taking a moment to settle in, become fully present, and get ready for a powerful conscious conversation. Hey everyone, welcome to Conscious Conversations. Today, we have the pleasure of speaking with Mark at Makunda Studios. Mark is an amazing yoga teacher who also is an avid well-being practitioner. He hosts these amazing well-being fairs at his studio in San Francisco. And when we dive into what it means to be truly well, how can we create a beautiful space of physical mental and spiritual well-being that not only serves us but also everyone around us to help us create the amazing life that we all desire so dive right in we have an enlightening conversation welcome mark to conscious conversations um, i'm nitin garg today we are missing nick paladino but fear not you're in good company uh, Mark, just for the audience to introduce you briefly, you are a certified integral yoga hatha raja meditation and stress management teacher with over 4,000 teaching hours. You Probably now over 5,000 since I last kept track. But wow. yeah, so, so they talk about 10,000 as mastery, you know, you're, you're well on your way. <laughs> uh i i view you as already a master so oh. um, you you've had a diverse career history uh in the areas of arts um you talked about high-paced event world and today you're you're bringing that all of that together as one voice as a health and wellness entrepreneur you're the owner and director of mukunda studio which is a yoga and wellness studio right here in San Francisco, California. Mark, welcome to the show. Thank you, Nitin. Thank you for asking me to be a part of this. And Nick, sorry that we're missing you, but I feel you're here in spirit. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm really honored to get to be talking with you. And we were just talking a moment ago about how I value exactly this conversation and, and, and for the purpose of uh, helping to elevate ourselves personally and to initiate something greater from this yeah. to wake Amazing. ourselves up. So I, I love that. Um, I know you're going to kick us off with a, a brief grounding practice for the audience. So we can go right there and then, yeah, uh, you know, would love for you to share Mark, your own, your story in your own words, how our listeners can get to know you and then we'll jump right in. Yeah. Okay. Wonderful. All right, well, so I'll invite everyone wherever you are um, to think about the ground that you're on. So even if you are moving, even if you're sitting in one spot, there is the ground underneath us. So I invite us simply to acknowledge that there is the ground, there is some surface. And then if we were to go Below that surface, we know that there's the earth, that we are on the earth. So whether your eyes are open or closed, that's up to you, depending what's happening in your experience right now, what feels comfortable, what feels safe. Acknowledge the earth. Acknowledge this planet that we're on. And that we are inhabitants of this planet, of this ground. Rather than think of it in a way of ownership, we can think of ourselves either as visitors, participants, 
co-creators. And that above ground and below ground, there is movement. So we can acknowledge that there's some kind of movement happening. Once again, whether you're moving around in some way or you're sitting still, there's movement around and within our above ground experience and there's movement within the earth. I like to think of this as a flow that we can experience ourselves in some kind of a flow state rather than a static experience We are a co-inhabitant or co-creator rather than an owner, a land holder. So take another moment and allow yourself to feel whatever sense of flow you can experience. Once again, whether your eyes are opened or closed. and recognize all of this has a temporary nature to it. Even the earth itself, though it's been around for billions of years, it also has a temporary nature. And right here, right in this moment, we are coexisting. If you can breathe into that experience in whatever way it feels accessible or available, co-creating, coexisting in this flow. If you'd like, take a deep inhale and a deep exhale. Feel the flow of your own breath. Acknowledge the flow within and around. If your eyes have been closed, slowly start to open, look around your space. And then I look back here at Nitin, and here we are. <laughs> Thank you, Mark. Um, that was that was really beautiful, and it, it brought back actually this memory for me of uh, almost maybe you could call it a way of being, where I know you know I'm I'm standing in my home, and um, as you said, you know we happen to be the owners, but for this temporary moment. And I've often actually thought about how, you know, I don't need to own a private beach or a, some other prestigious uh, property of land that actually just sort of like our private lands, and, sorry, our public lands and our, and, and I think that's one of the reasons I, I have such an admiration for our public parks yeah, that they allow access to all um, to these beautiful places all around us in this world. And we can inhabit them at any moment we choose to. And that this entire planet is our home, not just the if we happen to own, which in the barrier is extremely expensive to own a home of, <laughs> you know, whatever size but if, if we get beyond that mind frame we're truly inhabitants and of this entire planet mm -hmm. yeah we have Thank you for bringing that we have the whole planet to call home but sadly there's a lot of other different stories about that mm -hmm. you know people who do um do it for a different reason you know try to claim ownership and we've been you know, colonization and all that of course 
so yeah so thank you for uh letting me share that and and um appreciating some of that because i i feel like those are the kind of things as we're talking that conscious reminder that we are a, you know like i said either a visitor uh, a co-creator or a guest of this planet i don't think we're we own the planet it's that right there starts us off on a bad path <laughs> if that's what we're thinking and uh there we have it so mark uh for our listeners to get to know you a little bit better, tell tell us a little bit about uh, who you are, uh, some key moments in your journey to date, and how you came to become the person you are today. Yeah, well, thank you once again for letting me have a platform to share some of this, and um, I'm going to ask you to interrupt me at any point if you need to, depending on how long this is going, or if you have anything you want to ask. Um, feel free. Don't feel like you need to just wait till I get to whatever the end is. <laughs> um, I know this is your show, so you know that, but I just want to yeah. say it's please interrupt um, at any point. Um, I, you know, my story is mostly one of having been in the arts, and I'm very grateful that my mother's, uh, my mother saw some potential in me as a, I don't know, old I was uh actually kindergarten that's right maybe it was the kindergarten teacher because I was in a play and I got to sing the lead role in the kindergarten whatever the thing was and um and I think I think my mom saw that I was really into it and then years later I went to a performing arts school from grade six through 12 and that absolutely informed me as a young person that there is a creative spirit within us and it's okay and even awesome to be able to tap into that. So I feel like that certainly informed me in a big way as a young mind and a young person to be able to express myself with music, with dance and with art. And all of those were what I got to do in this, that period. And uh, it was the school for creative and performing arts in Cincinnati, Ohio. Um, I'm also Jewish and was raised Jewish. And that was actually the, the earliest part of a self-identity that felt very grounded for me. Um, I went to a Hebrew day school and from grades one through six, I'm kind of backtracking a moment just to talk about foundation. And that, that gave me a sense of identity. Uh, and I also feel like in my experience, God was never presented to us with an image he was presented, there was sort of a temperamental nature of God who could all of a sudden make, you know, acts of nature happen in front of people. And, um, but I remember not having an image. And so I always feel like to this day, that helps me so much that I've, I was able to develop a relationship with God or with a higher power, or a higher entity without what I've experienced with some friends is some baggage of what they think it should look like or how that person should act. It felt very ambiguous in some ways. Um, and I think my ears also might've closed off to some other things it might've been about, but it felt um, very open-ended. Uh, okay, so then in the arts, then I went to college actually for painting and drawing. I realized at some point in, my, in those years um, that who I was was somebody who wanted to create. I wanted to be able to see what I was uh, making. Mm. I wanted to be able to reflect on it and almost have more of a contemplative experience rather than presentational, which is what performing was all about in many ways. Um, this is during your college years. This is my college years. Yeah. So I entered school uh, for painting and drawing. Uh, it was the University of Cincinnati. They have a design, architecture, art, and planning college. And, and that was also powerful and informative to continue to get to develop as an artist and think of myself as like, this is who I am. That's my profession. Um, and then after college, I was also dancing somewhat in college. So carrying over some of my other work from the performing arts years. But then I got into a 
able to do dancing gigs and actually taught dance and then eventually got into a dance company. And I was like, well, I was meaning to be an artist, but well, I can get paid dancing. So here we go. So then I was in a dance company, a um, couple of different ones, one in New York, one in San Francisco called Joe Good Performance Group. And that also helped me develop as a young person. And I felt really grateful. The um, director of that company, Joe Good, is a uh, openly gay man, very much weaves that into his work. Uh, and I would say it's probably that that was when I really felt like I could be more most comfortable with myself as a gay man. My story has a, a very difficult coming out period, which involves running away and being suicidal and um, really not wanting there to be any more story because I didn't know how to make one. Uh, so being in this company. And that was in your teenage years, I believe. That's uh, right. That you're yeah. referring to. That's right. Yeah. When I was um, 16, I ran away from home and was suicidal. And uh, and that's, yeah, it was a whole two week journey um, of being homeless, but it's actually a long story because I was actually living in hotels because I actually had money from being a child performer. And I took out that money and I was very independent and I was able to do, so it's almost like a retreat <laughs> that I was able to take <laughs> when I was 16. I was eating well, I was in a hotel. It was all, you know, I was able, it's kind of amazing as a 16 year old, I was able to get a hotel room. I don't think you can do that today. <laughs> I didn't have ID. I didn't, I just told them stories. And they were like, yeah. okay. <laughs> um, it, it's, that's how humble of you to be able to look back upon that as a retreat. <laughs> All the, probably it was a major life transformational retreat. No, it was. It was. I mean, there were times I, I, I wouldn't be able to share about it without crying um, when I would tell it because it, it was m a majorly pivotal time in my life. But I also see it now as, as, you know, even my mom said at one point like that, maybe that had to happen you know, for where I was in my life and what was going on. It, it was one of the most, that one of the most um, educational spiritual experiences, I guess, um, that I've had in a, in a unexpected, unplanned way, I guess you could say. Um, so being able to, in, in a way that connected the dots for me with being in that, in that dance company, it was very healing, very grounding to get to, be in work, collaborate with the uh, within the company around all these topics, and it felt it felt very powerful. Then I had a back injury when I was thirty one or so. Started practicing yoga. So this is going to be the direct line. It's going to come in now that you know more of. <laughs> yeah. Practice yoga really just as a uh, therapeutic thing, and um, and then I thought, well, I might as well get more flexible. That would be helpful for my dancing. I had a teacher um, who helped me develop a home practice, and that was also really key. I'm really grateful that that was something that happened because I started to build a different relationship with it than where I was taking was my gym. And so within a gym yoga, which is why I never make fun of gym yoga, <laughs> um, that's my start. And my yeah. teacher was incredible. And she helped me develop a home practice. She gave me sheets of information and here's what you can do. And, and I was into it. So I did it. I ended up uh, choosing to stop dancing because I had my, I had the back injury was, um, I was able to sustain it, but to the point where I was suffering at most of the time. <laughs> And I thought, this isn't a way to live. Like I'm almost waiting for when that next bad back injury or accident is going to happen because I'm basically just holding it together until the next performance or I'll feel better for a couple of months and then what? So I, I just felt like something, my body's saying it's time for some shift. So I listened and I, I stopped dancing at 34. Um, I ended up getting into an event, started working for an event company um, that actually is the space I'm in right now, but mm. I've transformed it. It was the uh, business that the owner of the building had who now moved it all downstairs a floor. Um, but it was a travel related event work that I did in, in the music industry. So I did that for six years. Then uh, I 
had been freelancing for this other event company. I started to work for them full-time for six years. And it was going well. It was the first time I was making uh, a, a lot of money and getting bonuses and holiday pay and ho holiday time off. And um, I thought, wow, I never had this before. <laughs> you know, as a, as a starving artist, this is all very foreign. Um, but I was liking it. Um, I could afford things I hadn't, you know, had before. So it did, it did something for me. Uh, I also saw myself getting sort of consumed by it and getting addicted to this idea, like more, more. Okay, now I want more and now I want more. And I started to just see myself as, I saw myself changing. My whole life I'd been in the arts. My whole life I had been um, not as conscious, but going through some kind of transformation, you know, along the way. And then I felt myself just being interested in material things and um, pleasure. How can I, how can I sustain that, the pleasures of having? <laughs> mm. And I was no longer practicing yoga or I was very infrequent. I was not being creative in very, very many ways. Um, my job was creative though, but I, I just felt like what I knew as myself as a creative person was kind of dwindling away. So I hit a wall and I actually like sharing this, even though my teacher tells me she doesn't remember this. I, I would get sick on occasion in that event job, like sick that I had to be in bed. And that was never my story. I'd be, have to go and be in bed for two or three days. And this would happen a couple of times a year. So one of these times after working like a dog, I was sick in bed and um, my, teach, my teacher called and she just said, Oh, what's happening? I said, oh, I'm in bed. I, I can't, I can, I can't eat. I can't do anything. She said, you need to quit that job. Mm. And that did it. I mean, I, it was a, an accumulation, but she gave me her voice yeah. and something about the, the teacher that you respect and you've, you know, you've, she told me she didn't mean, she wasn't saying like, literally you should go. <laughs> and she said, she doesn't even remember saying that, but it was almost just like, an affirmation of like, there's more. So I did, I went in and they're like, well, can we change this? Or what if we give you this? And I'm like, nope, nope, yeah. <laughs> nope. Something you shifted you too, you know? And, and yeah. that's, I think that's power of us working with teachers that really know us well, they can sense and see things that sometimes because we're in the story, we don't. Very true. And I guess we built some amount of trust in them that when they share something like that, it's like, I am going to listen. And, um, and I'll, you know, it was, I did it in a bit of a haste because I just, I, I couldn't keep going in that world. So I hadn't saved up. I hadn't prepared myself. It was definitely a leap of faith. I just knew it was going to be okay. It's going to work out. And so that was an inner, that was a bit of an inner knowing. It was an inner knowing because there was no outer, outer uh, validation. <laughs> it was sort of like, what are you doing? You have this amazing job. You're making this, you know, this great amount of money. You've got security. You've got all these things. What are you doing? But some other inner knowing was like, no, this is complete. Yeah. And I want to, I want to just take maybe a moment to, you know, highlight that for our listeners because so many of us you know some of us have jobs we love and that fulfill us and that's amazing um, many of us also hold on to jobs sort of to the story what you just described where you know it's a paycheck and there's some benefits that it's not quite our purpose and there is some inner knowing perhaps at least knocks, maybe it's not a full knowing yet, there's knocks. And, you know, it sounds like you worked through a process to where it became annoying, plus your teacher making it obvious to you. Uh, and I just want to point that out for our listeners, you know, if there is an inner knock or knowing, you know it. And, uh, you know, this story perhaps can help highlight to recognize our own inner knowing. And pay attention to it. You don't have to do anything today, tomorrow. 
but at least begin to listen to it. Yeah, that's a good point too. It's like, I would say that inner knock, inner knowing happened first for several years, but I, I wasn't prepared to listen to it in a, in that strong of a way. It was more like, Hmm, well, what else, what else would I do? You know, those questions start. Mm -hmm. And I think there's many people who don't ever have that, right? There's some people who are that feel complete content, you know, maybe it's not perfect, but there it works like the equation works for their setup. Um, but there are for some of us where something is gnawing at us or nagging at us to think differently. And it's so, so then I started thinking, okay, what else, what could I do? Um, I did start doing some coaching work during those last two years of that event job. So I will say that was helpful to start to shift some of that brain chemistry that was stuck, you know, mm -hmm. that had a fixed way of seeing the world, which was what I actually told myself as a starving artist, if I only could make more money, then everything would be better. And when I did make more money and everything wasn't better, I was like, aha, okay, this is, this is broader and bigger than I, I was giving credit um, to it. There's something else. So I think that that has to be the case. And that's if that's happening with someone, yeah, absolutely make note and know that the, the process, I would say it, it organically unfolded. And even though that was that voice of my teacher, it was kind of like that, that um, tipping point mm -hmm. that I just needed that little bit of a shift. And somehow, little did she know she was going to be it. You know, she might have said that to me a year ago and I would have said, ah, oh, right. I'm good. You wouldn't have landed in the same way. Mm hmm. It just was the right time, you know, and I think I had already been in that space and it was this little touch of empowerment that said, you can do this, you know, and I think until then, I probably didn't believe it. That's why I wouldn't have done anything. But in that moment, I believed it, that I, there would be something else. Yeah. Hey, thanks so much for listening into Conscious Conversations. As you know, we don't try to sell anything here. We don't run ads on our show. Our whole goal is to help elevate and raise the consciousness of the planet through these conversations. So if there's something that you heard in this show or this episode that really landed with you, pay it forward. Give it a like, subscribe to our channel, write a quick review, or even better, share this with your friends and your family so that they can grow and they can benefit from this episode as well. Thanks so much for listening, and we really appreciate it. Yeah. So, so that's basically then that's the unfolding of getting to here. So prior to Makunda studio, which is where I'm sitting, um, I opened up two other small yoga spaces. One was inside of a, a men's spa and, um, all of my clients were men. So I know you were just telling me your previous, uh, uh guest was talking about yoga for men yeah. started kind of, that's what I was doing. <laughs> um, and pr primarily gay men. I was in the Castro. And then after that space, I was there for a couple of years. I then was able to open a, a, a little bit larger space, quite a bit larger space at a boutique gym in the Castro, uh, more gay men. So it was becoming, and then it was more diverse, actually. It was, women were coming, my friends and all types of people were coming. Um, and then just before, I guess in 2019, sometime in the summer, my old boss from here, who's the owner of the building, and I told you about that business before, he proposed uh, offering this space to me. And I said, well, I guess it's time. And uh, ironically enough, the time was March 2020 that I was going to be opening. So it was quite a time to be making oh, a decision. Yeah. So I did a full renovation of the space. We worked on that from no, you know November, December, January. Um, I was ready to open, did a soft opening in February, and then boom, <laughs> COVID pause thing. button. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that must've been a challenging time for you. I mean, you, you're spending months and months preparing for your opening and here comes a pandemic. Well, the truth is, um, 
And I have only more recently been sharing it more out loud because at the time it didn't feel like it was a good thing to talk about. For me, um, I had actually been saying I was feeling overwhelmed by the idea of opening up a studio. And I actually was saying, I wish I could just take a little bit of time to really think about what I want to do with this space. And then poof, I got it. <laughs> you got a lot of time. <laughs> I got a lot of time. And also, thank goodness for Zoom. I was able to, to switch everything onto Zoom. Um, actually, thank goodness for, for Intuit, because Intuit, I think even where they were one of the earliest companies where I teach a two days a week an office yoga class that you know of, uh, they had me switch onto Zoom. And so I got myself all kind of geared up for that. And then everything I did switched on to Zoom. I began doing even more than usual. So it was a really busy time and actually a really lucrative time. So I did really well. It was a, a really positive year for me. And I got to stay at home. And that was unusual. And that helped me realize I had been kind of running on fumes for a while. And as a lot of us as yoga teachers, we talked about this. We would just be racing from class to class and doing this and not getting to eat and da 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 da. And it was kind of a not a very yogic lifestyle. Yeah. So to then get to stop and I could just teach, have the boundary of the screen and turning it on, turning it off, go to the kitchen, make lunch, come back, turn it on, turn it off, go back, yeah. get ready for dinner. It was, I was so happy and i actually am more a little bit more of an introvert and i actually did really well just having some personal time again sounds like it was a great gift it was a gift and i know it was that's not the case for so many people so yes. i i understood that it was not for me to be like oh my gosh i'm so happy i'm so excited for the pandemic it, it, it was awful right it's it was not something i would ever have wished but i i will say for some strange reason, it turned out that way for me. Um, yeah. And I was happy that I could be of service and offering yoga to people who were feeling stressed and anxious and um, not handling, uh, not having such a, the same story. Yeah. It, it shifted certainly the world for so many and, you know, and caused a great deal of suffering. Uh, but frankly, also eliminated a lot of suffering for folks, you know, in your case, as you were talking about how even yoga teachers that are trying to bring more peace into people's lives were running around trying to take care of themselves while hosting classes. And for a, you know, a huge majority of us that were commuting to work, spending countless hours in commute, you know, it, it overnight eliminated a lot of that suffering. Some of that's come back since, but yeah, it's still shifted. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I guess the, the the truth i see in that is just like almost like with anything else in the world there's there's always some some positive shifts that require some sacrifice along the way you know um i've you know i've had some uh i remember some of my philosophy classes and um other discussions where even looking back at world war ii which you would think is an overly negative world event has caused some major positive shifts mm. you know in the trajectory of the world and so yeah uh, you know there is there's those kind of always go together as part of the part of the nature we're working with in the world yeah i mean it's the yin and the yang i do think you know when we look at anything um and i will say sometimes it's harder to see it <laughs> what is the you know if there's something that feels very dark to see that there could be some light and maybe sometimes that comes later. It's not mm -hmm. necessarily what we are able to, you know, recognize in the moment. Um, Absolutely. But I do think, yeah, there's, um, it's a very true perspective, you know. Yeah, that there's, I guess it's that idea that there is a balance that happens, you know, in, in, uh, in life experience, whether we can see that in our own life and how we, in some regards, choose to see it, um, and in the world at large. Yeah. So, Mark, uh, um, right before we started, we were talking about um, the this wellness fair, the well-being fair, well-being fair. 
<laughs> that that you've started and you and you also talk about sort of the difference between uh what does it mean to be truly well and, and i'm really curious to explore that 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 topic with you because it's it also seems to be at the hardest and heart and center of this offering you've created the well-being fair um the next one is coming up in summer you mentioned and feel free to actually share with the listeners of you know when it's exactly happening a lot of our listeners are in the bay area so i'm sure they would love to um attend as they hear about it but tell us a little bit about this journey of sort of you know you're in this space you've you've become you've established yourself as a yoga teacher um i know you also worked with a teacher in india to to get trained how did all of that transform into this well-being fair um and what sparked that for you well it's actually in a way right where we are in this story where when the pandemic hit and I was opening up this space, I, I knew that I didn't want it to be a typical yoga studio. Um, I, my experience with some of the yoga studios was that it felt there actually was something very limiting or very limited about what happens in that space. When I think about who are the folks that can help initiate change in the world? Um, who are the ones that have time resources to be able to, dedicate themselves to making shifts and changes. And I thought, well, we would think a lot of people who go to yoga classes, they're the ones they're going, they're working on themselves, they're, they're helping to create some kind of shift. But somehow I didn't feel like those were also the same people who are helping make other greater shifts in a way it was, and I felt this way when I would sometimes go, it's just to feel soothed or to feel like, ah, oh, I feel my stress drop away and I'm okay, on to the next rather than what are we really able to do when we start to get well and that that whole concept of you know we're not well until all are well so if mm -hmm. we're just soothing ourselves that that didn't seem like enough and i wanted to create a space where there was conversation where there was a you know greater topic than than what i was seeing that was limited which is the wellness topic and i think wellness in and of itself the word is a beautiful word and it refers to a holistic sense of you know being well but yeah. it just seems in this moment that the word has taken on a, a limited meaning for a limited number of people hmm. i just want to reflect on something you said because you know it does feel like you're right uh you know especially i remember some of the times when i was in my early days supplementing yoga classes alongside my weight training workouts as a way of gaining flexibility uh later on actually became almost a form of healing when i had a very challenging work a uh, couple of years at work yoga was literally my healing you know mm -hmm. it's how i regained some energy and some sense of balance to be able to keep doing the work that i was doing and that which i later changed uh but it almost feels like, you know, it it did help establish that foundation from which where I could eventually step into some greater calling or some greater work. Um, but there's so much healing needed in the world. Yeah, and I mean, it does kind of like what you're saying or what I'm hearing is that it's it does start with an introduction, right, of something that could have the potential for any kind of healing or any kind of counterpoint so maybe the counterpoint to working out you some part of you knew stretching is going to be smart you know doing something that's a little more relaxing would be smart and then it and then it could potentially build and it did to the point where you're like oh yeah this is a resource for healing uh and that's what i guess i i thought about what's the evolution of a yoga studio what would be the next way to present a space that could um have a have a broader reach or a broader conversation and that's when i thought about the well-being part so actually now i call myself a yoga and well-being studio hmm. yoga because that's at the foundation of what's been my practice and what has helped me make shifts and um, to evolve it's been with me all along since that gym yoga class where the teacher had me start which that would have been in 2000 2001 
and that so that I feel there's something really powerful for me. And of course, now I'm being a yoga teacher, that path just feels one of the most comprehensive. <laughs> That's my biased, of course, outlook. So I'm going to promote that, right? But I'm also going to talk about well-being from that lens. And yoga, as you know, it's not just a physical practice. It eventually leads us towards calming the mind, learning about our true self, recognizing we are all connected, dispelling that um, uh, great ignorance, which is that, you know, we forget that we're all connected and that we mm -hmm. think that our individual mission is the most important. Um, I think it's a, it's a component of the journey of collective work. I think we do need to understand who we are in our individual natures, but ultimately to work on an idea that we're connected. And I think that can reduce the amount of harm. And we start working collectively on like, oh, what can we do to benefit one another and benefit those who need resources? And um, that to me is, is yoga. That's the practice and being of service. Um, we didn't talk a lot, but I know you know this from what I wrote about. That's also part of my path with um, behavioral addiction recovery is that there's this you know, you, this 12 step path that the 12th step is being of service, you know, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, you know, we, you know, decided to be of service and shared this. And that to me felt like those are strong um, messages that I want to be able to talk about openly in my space. Yeah. And so that's why I, I um, really re positioned what I'm offering here. And then that's when I realized I wanted to create events that could speak about what that means. And, you know, honestly, I, I didn't exactly know. And I, every time we have the fair, uh, this is our third one, June 18th, it's a Sunday. Um, you know, I don't really know what it's going to be about until I start finding the people who can present and I start talking with friends and who can be involved. I knew that this one was going to have, um, an LGBTQ plus focus because June is Pride Month. It's on June. It's in June because it's the summer uh, solstice. Uh, so every season is when there's a well-being fair, and it just so happens here in San Francisco, June is Pride Month. So um, I felt like, well, this is a perfect moment to highlight my community, and let's see who's out there. And then when I start gathering folks, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. This is exactly the the kind of message I want to find a diverse group. I don't want someone like I want I don't want it to be all yoga teachers, you know, in other words, at the well-being fair. I wouldn't even want it to be all yoga and meditation teachers. I want to jump out of that circle of what we might call wellness and talk about some other, you know, I had somebody who's interested. I don't think he'll get involved this this one, but he does financial planning. I'm like, that's talking about our well-being, you know, being able to like yeah. financial well-being. Um absolutely. So Right. I mean, that's you got to have that part of your your the balance of the self. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, I think we, it was a couple episodes ago we were just talking about how, you know, in this podcast, we don't separate spiritual from the physical um, and the financial from other types of well-being because it they're all intertwined. Um, they're all essential to our core well-being. You don't have to be overly materialistic, right? So finding our own right balance, and that's that's going to be unique for each person. Absolutely. And you don't need to be overly spiritual either. We're all going to have a unique balance of how much is enough for us for the moment in which we're in uh, and, and the, you know, the stage of life that we're going through. Um, the Bhagavad Gita, for example, you know, very clearly, for example, lays out like, hey, in your early years, be a student, learn. Nice. And then you're in the stage of working and, and contributing to the community in your best years of health. Uh, and actually for the what they call householders, uh, right, is uh, once you sort of pass the stage of you've worked maybe 20, 30, 40 years, your kids are now on their own and starting to create their own lives, dedicate your life to something greater than yourself, you know, your community or the spiritual path. Or the like. So yeah, you know, there's a unique way of being in every stage of life. Um, so I love how you're, you know, you're talking about it's not 
one at the exclusion of other, they all work together to create our well-being in the present moment. And like you're saying, it's going to shift and change as we go through these different decades of our life or different phases of our life. And it's it's a living, breathing experience of honoring who we are in any one given moment, knowing that it'll likely shift and change in the next moment. And that to me is, um, you know, why I want to have a space, you know, why I want to have a conversation. It's yes, practice yoga. I think that's going to be helpful, but also have this kind of conversation. How do you define, or how would you talk about the difference between wellness and well-being? You know, what's uh, what's coming to mind is just all the ways in which shows up, especially through my own coaching work. Um, and I, I tend to think, talk about it in the realms of physical well-being. So are we exercising, getting some, you know, a decent amount of physical movement, the kind of food we're putting into our body, the quality of our rest? And that just being the foundations that that enables everything else. Mm-hmm. Um, and then as you know, uh, it gets more into the the mental well being. Okay, well, how what is our relationship with with life, with ourselves? Um, how do we look at our positive and negative thoughts, um, or that we categorize them as such? Mm. What meaning do we make out of them? Right. Uh, and then, you know, there is definitely some aspect of the spiritual wellness as well, like, especially when we were talking about, hey, is there a knock that is there an inner knock or an inner knowing that I'm aware of? Um, and for me, actually, for example, it started out uh, as a deep dissatisfaction with the way uh, I was being. This was a few years ago. Everything was perfect in life mm. uh, in terms of, you know, a good job great family, good health, good money, but there was still a sense of deep dissatisfaction. There was something missing. And so I knew I had to go explore that. And that was part of my well-being journey at that moment. So I'm curious, as I'm describing that to you, Mark, Is that, from your perspective, is that the right way to think about this? Are there other ways to think about this? Well, I'm not going to decide for you if it's right or wrong way to think <laughs> about it. Trick question. <laughs> yeah, no, I was I was actually loving the way that you were describing it. And I, I think that's, that is worthy of this kind of conversation. How do people refer to that? What is their take on um, well-being? How broadly does one think about it? Or does somebody say, well, I don't get to think about that. Um, I, I just have to go to work. I just have to do this. I just have to pay my bills. There, you know, Sometimes it's a, definitely a luxury to be able to ponder these kind of concepts. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, as I was saying earlier, at any time in our life, this whole conversation might shift and change to be different. So that's why I don't, I want to open up this conversation as wide and far as it can possibly be to help people know there is space to talk about this. There is room for your version of what you see to be so. Um, And I think when you talk about what is your version of it, it may resonate with one person or group of people. It may help you see yourself more clearly, you know? So it's always fascinating and it's something i'm learning to do um more of which is in the the kleshas the obstacles to our peace um written in the you know yoga sutras of patanjali is to notice when we are experiencing attachment and aversion i think we talk a lot about attachment but also the aversion piece we're like well that didn't make any sense well that's not right well they're not saying it the way i think it would be like that also is going to cause disruption. So to to learn how to be more spacious and loving around other people's experiences and let that be, um, you know, like that flower opening in front of you that you go, oh, wow, look at that. That's so interesting. Yeah. 
And that's and, and both of those can present such big opportunities for personal growth and and awareness, right? So a lot of our attachments, whether it's family or or food, <laughs> uh, you know, both starting with an F with very different <laughs> purposes, yeah. And aversions, you know, geez, how many viewpoints do we come across uh, all day, every day, whether it's in the news or elsewhere? But, you know, keeping an open mind to to hear it, try to understand it, don't have to agree with everything and don't have to try to understand everything. Uh, but before we perhaps maybe, you know, choose a point of conflict, a, po- a view of, point of view of conflict with something else probably healthy for us to at least understand what we are fully against and why. And I'm, and I'm curious if you, if you would describe that differently in terms of how you think about aversions. I like that. I think what you're, what I was hearing is this idea of like pausing before letting the knee jerk reaction happen, because we all have a habitual mode that will go in, right. Or something that's a pattern. Um, and oftentimes it's not even our own information. We're just taking someone else's information and then <laughs> saying, this is what I know is true, but it's the truth that somebody else told you. So I, um, I think that there's, again, this idea of constant fluctuation and things are constantly shifting and changing including our emotions, our perspectives, our outlooks. So it may be in one moment, something that you're attached to, you could become averse to it. One moment you're averse to it and then you get attached to it. So that to me is like the humor of life. Hmm. The other side of it is um, acknowledging our own growth and transformation. I think sometimes it is important to have a boundary where you are going to say, I'm not going near that right now. I'm not going to just neutralize that in my mind. That actually feels wrong. And I'm going to I'm going to move myself away. That is okay. And sometimes that's the right thing to do. Right. So that's something I'm also learning to appreciate rather than to say, "No, no. Oh, that sounds like an aversion. You're going to yeah. be disturbed." It's like for, for that person, you know, in that moment. And and that's why I think it's important to know like what may be what may be a, a, a good aversion for have for someone, right? Like to have that aversion and recognize it and be with it for someone may not be the case for you and I. Right. Yeah. And that's, I mean, there may be some collective things like I have, um, you know, I, I have a plant-based diet and I think about what happens in some of these, you know, factories and farming habits that are, I have a hard time just kind of being neutral about at times because I'm like, this is shocking to me that there's not something more, more awareness, more connecting of the dots in people's minds of like what we're actually doing. <laughs> um, so it becomes something that I acknowledge, okay, there's a part of me that does feel this way. And I'm also able to find a place of, um, it becomes a teacher for me about humanity. And I know I'm not going to turn the whole world into a plant-based community. It's just likely not going to happen. Um, I'm not against people eating meat. It's the industry that has, you know, creates so much harm and torture. That's what I wish could be different. So I could spend my whole day talking about my aversion to that and become righteous, but I feel I had to really look, what is my path on that? And my path is, is, you know, one way where somebody else might be a lot more uh, uh, ambitious and assertive about it, even aggressive about it. And I just am like, well, that's available. But are you, you know, is it working to do that? Are you, do you feel like the impact you want is happening? You know, that that's where I would go. Like, let's have a conversation. Let's bring it into conscious, you know, conversation and see where that really is what what is what's really the important part of what's happening yeah and you know what you're highlighting there is like almost this essence of finding our right relationship with something so that we're not overburdening ourselves 
nor living in say perhaps complete ignorance mm -hmm. but just finding that right balance so that at least the way we choose to live we are in agreement with right I, you know and i'll share you since you were sharing i'll share personal stories i've been a vegetarian plant-based diet uh for last five years but just in the last couple of months i could notice there was just again there was that inner knocking knowing coming over and over and i don't know if it's a temptation maybe it'll work itself out over time <laughs> but there was the like hey you could have a, a you know a meat-based dish once in a while and it's not going to kill you and i kept seeing at first i was ignoring it and i was like oh this is just a temptation it's, <laughs> it's got to go away and i don't need this distraction <laughs> but when it kept happening month after month after month and next thing i see you know like there's some more recent research coming out of like oh how plants feel ton of pain as well that used to be one of my reasons for not eating meat because i didn't want to be inflicting pain and i was like wait what is going on here like so plants feel pain as well so you know regardless of what we're choosing to eat there is going to be some level of suffering that's true and i think that finally sealed it for me so now it's not like i've become a ferocious meat eater <laughs> <I was> gonna... <laughs> but you know now I do have a dish once a week and that's, I'm choosing my balance in relationship with that. Um, mm -hmm. And I just wanted to share that, you know, in, in complete openness, because there's a, there's a journey there too. And I'm no one to define Absolutely. right or wrong for others, but just choosing consciously on what makes sense, you know, how much, how much artificial hormones am I okay putting into my body and how much of a heavy diet now it's become more of a health choice as part of the well being of like, okay, if I am eating meat, is this actually giving me optimal energy for my day? Or do I feel lethargic and slow? You know, how is my digestion? Uh, and so paying more attention to those factors than just the the judgment I may have put on to the choice from the beginning. Well, I love that the whole process was uh, a mindful one. Consider, you know, many considerations along the way versus just seeing something and then grabbing it but that you were building a relationship with that experience and whether it is temptation or it is a true message um i think you're still taking it with uh, a very thoughtful approach and i think that that's that's worth everything because it's from there you're going to know what's then the next right thing and that's how i feel all of this can work once again like you're saying no judgment but um, honoring the fact that, you know, there's some, some reason that that field that came to you, that, call, that called you in that way. And for all you know, it's going to lead you to this path where in two years from now, three years from now, you're going to realize it wasn't right. And now you're really strongly committed to being plant-based because <laughs> you know <laughs> what it's like to have that come up and you're going to have a whole nother story around it. Um, and I just have to share this on um, my experience with what you shared with the plants having feelings um, that, yes, I agree. They actually absolutely do. Um, plants, however, are regenerative. And um, even if even when they are cut or um, they, they go back to themselves, essentially, you know, they go back, they can actually regrow, they can sprout. So a lot of times there's a different relationship, I would say, with death than the way we assign and understand it for ourselves and other mammals. Um, and there's something also about the, the proximity of mammals to us that we can relate to their death in a way that's very different than how we can relate to the death of a, a, a stalk of kale, for example. Mm -hmm. um, we consciously see emotion being emoted and when those animals are put through that whole experience, it's a difficult process to have to oh, yeah. put them into that environment to, to, to get them to the point that they're on your plate. So it's a very energetic, uh, psychological difference than oh, yeah. what happens 
Now, maybe someone will say, well, we're just not sensitive to what, you know, the crying that's happening for that head, you know, that kale leaf. Um, well, the truth is, we, I think for the most part, we do need to eat. So we are causing harm. If we're in a human body, we are causing harm. And it is part of our karma. It's part of this cycle. But can we do our best to um, be as conscientious about it and try to not cause us, you know, the extreme amount of harm? What's our, what's our lightest touch? And to each person, that sensitivity is going to be different. I don't expect anyone else to have my sensitivity. Um, mine comes from, I think, you know, having been a kid who did a lot of torturing of bugs and things. Is, <laughs> honestly, I think I realized I went through this whole phase. And at some point, it hit me. It's like, oh, my God, I was, you know, what I yeah. was doing was terrible. And it's my way of repenting. almost. <laughs> so that's I often just, you know, think. Um, it is comical how true that is for so many kids at that age. You know, there's a very different relationship with, uh, yeah. And I wonder if that's, uh, I'll be curious to see how that shapes up in our house. So in our house, <laughs> one of the things we do, uh, is we catch the spiders in, in a little Tupperware box and then we release them in the garden. Oh, nice. So they can go do some work. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. I don't need a dead spider. I need a spider that can go, go eat the bugs so my plants can thrive absolutely <laughs> right so uh there's a channeling of energy and i'm curious we'll see how that affects our kids you know do they have a different they probably will have a different relationship with bugs i think that's beautiful i mean because you know the other relationship that there is and so you're teaching them something that i think is just uh oftentimes not considered like, I wish that's what some of our schools included. I wish that was what some of the education was um, to help children think differently about nature and about opportunities. Um, but there's so much that just goes unaccounted for. So the fact that that nuance you're bringing in, I can only imagine that's yeah. helping <laughs> in a beautiful way. Well, Mark, it's it's been uh, an an amazing conversation with you. I think, you know, just exploring all the realms of well-being and what that can mean holistically, you know, everything from how we are showing up for ourselves, our physical bodies, uh, showing up for our mental well-being, connecting to our inner knowing and, and treading the path towards, you know, creating that fulfilling life for ourselves, finding that personal balance on the path to well-being. I'm curious if there's anything you would love like to share that we didn't get to. Um, and also just how listeners can get in touch with you if they want to continue to explore this topic further. Sure. Yeah, I would love to continue conversations like this. Um, and that's part of what I offer here in my studio. So I'll share the well-being fair is on June 18th, Sunday, June 18th, which does happen to be Father's Day. And it's from 1130 till four. And we'll have different speakers um, offering some presentations. We'll have a yin yoga class. We'll have um, Gaga people class. It's a movement based out of Israel. Um, we'll have an acupuncturist here giving ear seeds, which is an acupressure practice, somebody doing intuitive readings, um, something called Neurosonic, that's also a, 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 a kind of a therapy for uh, the way we hear and understand sound. Um, so yeah, so that'll happen. Uh, what That'll start with something called Empower Hour, and that's something that I do monthly at the studio. So I'm always excited to welcome people into the Empower Hour conversations once a month, we come up with a topic that feels pertinent to the month. This coming one is actually this Sunday, uh, the 21st, and that's from 1130 to 1230. The topic is around um, AAPI month, Asian American Pacific Islander month, or also the other acronym I like is Asian Pacific Islander Desi American uh, mm -hmm. Heritage Month. And we'll talk about how do we keep our ties with our culture as we become more and more western as we get more and more influenced by the western mind what are we doing to keep our ties and our connections and keeping that connection with our ancestors our roots our culture 
So that'll that's something to keep an eye on. My website is makundastudio.com, M-U-K-U-N-D-A studio.com. Makunda was a name I was given uh, in 2009. It's a Sanskrit word that means giver of liberation. And that same teacher I talked about earlier who said, you need to quit that job in 2009. That's where I got that name from um, during uh, a yoga teacher training. And um, so I decided to offer that to be my studio name. And it's what we do here. It's like that space where we can feel liberated and whole. So I'd love for people to come and participate. There's also weekly yoga classes. Uh, you can come here just to have tea. And it's on Folsom Street, 1250 Folsom Street in San Francisco. Um, yeah, Instagram, Makunda Studio, all that stuff. <laughs> yeah, we'll post we'll post the links in the description so Great. Um, folks can definitely check you out and connect with you. Thank you so much, Mark, for uh, an amazing conversation, for sharing your own story, uh, being vulnerable, and and also just going, helping us go really deep on well-being today. Um, because as, as we all know, there's there's so much healing out there needed in the world. And I think for each one of us to at least recognize what's the healing we need personally, mm. so then we can show up in our full grace for ourselves, for others around us. Uh, it all starts with one person at a time. So thank you so much for taking us deep on this journey of well-being today. Thank you. I really love talking with you. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening in. If you want any more information about our guest today, uh, about any of the sessions or, or offerings that were presented, uh, as well as about myself, Nitin, or Nick here, you can find all the links to our websites and uh, how to get in touch with us through the episode notes. And as always, don't forget, if you like what you heard, share it with friends and family, spread the love, spread the collective consciousness, and help us raise the consciousness as a whole.